dedicated to each and every one of you who appreciate a great glass of wine. You know what I mean? It's Monday. Let's raise a glass to the beginning of another week. It's time to unscrew, uncork, or saber a bottle. And let's begin exploring the wine glass. Today, I am virtually traveling to Spain and am discussing everything Albariño. I am chatting with Diego Rios, winemaker for Bodegas Granzaban in one of my all-time favorite wine regions, Rios Baixas. I continue to dream of visiting what is known as Green Spain, and hopefully one day that dream will come true. While you are listening, take a moment to rate and review Exploring the Wine Glass. Ratings are now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Audible. Taking one minute of your time is the only way that the algorithms will suggest Exploring the Wine Glass to others. And since you're enjoying the podcast, other wine lovers will too. If you aren't familiar with Rio Spicious, this podcast will make you want to go out and grab a bottle of Albarino. If you are already familiar with Rio Spicious, then you still aren't going to want to miss this podcast because Diego shares what makes the region so special. Slancha! Hey everybody, I'm Lori Budd, a UC Davis winemaking program, someday service, champagne specialist, and WSET level 2 graduate. You can find Exploring the Wine Glass on all the socials, as well as your favorite podcast catchers. If you haven't subscribed yet, now's the perfect time to swipe, subscribe, rate, and review. I promise I'll never tell you what to drink, but I'll always share what's in my glass. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Allure of the Poor, sponsored by Dracina Wines. I am your host, Lori, WSET Level 2 graduate, a UC Davis winemaking graduate, champagne specialist, and Cote de Rhone specialist. And I wish I was a Riespicious specialist. And I kind of <laughs> think I am because I am a maniac when it comes to Riespicious and Albarino is my go-to wine. And I am so excited today because I have Diego Rios of Gran Zavon here today, and we are going to be talking Albarino. So welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I, I really am a maniac <laughs> when it comes to Albarino. I think I found Rios Baixas, I think I found it about six years ago, maybe six, cool. seven years ago. And I was doing a, a it was an educational program called Wine Studio. And they asked if I wanted to participate. And I'm like, I've never even heard of this place. I don't know Alvarino, but sure, I'll do it. I'll, you know, and oh my God, it was a four week program. And we had different wines every week. And I was blown away every week. And I have become a maniac. And literally, if we go to a party, it's Albarino I bring. If we go to a restaurant <laughs> and I'm trying to introduce people to wine, it's Albarino. So I am so excited to have you here. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. And thank you for being such a great ambassador of all the brand. <laughs> Absolutely. You don't have to twist my arm for that. <laughs> <laughs> so my first question always when I talk to uh, somebody in the wine industry, winemakers, is what is your wine origin story? There's always so many interesting ways that somebody, the path that somebody has found to the wine world. So how did you get to the wine world? Well, um, actually, I have no wine background. There's no wine background in my family either. Um, I did my studies in agricultural science. And in the very last year of my studies, I decided to, to go in a more like a fruit production direction or maybe table grape productions or citrix production or something like that. And then I found out that actually that the concentration in winemaking and analogy was not very far away from the thing that I wanted to do. Uh, so I decided to take the courses. And, and that's why I got trapped. And, and I mean, forever, I guess, uh, <laughs> as, as, uh, as well, I have been working in wine maybe for the last uh, 11, 12 years since I jumped into studies and, and, and you know, and internships and everything. And so now I'm pretty much into it and made a career out of it. Uh, a short one, of course, you know, like you, you can you can never stop learning about this. And, and I probably will be dying knowing nothing about wine. Uh <laughs> Uh, but that's what it is. But yeah, so been dedicated to wine and, and made a career in, in Europe for the last um, nine years, I guess. So very fresh out of the university. I came 
into Europe and start more taking a concentration into white wine production. And I, I'm sorry, were you born in Rio Spices or is that your home area? No, I'm, I'm originally from Chile, South America. So probably that will be just my wine background that I came from a wine country uh, from the new world. But I made, um, well, as I told you, very, very fresh after my uh, university years, I came to Europe and I landed in Germany where I worked in the Mosul River for oh. almost seven years, seven beautiful years where I learned a lot. I traveled a lot and I met so many interesting people about wine. I worked in a small family winery in the most river called Heimer Lunstein. Um, so I got, I was lucky enough to be able to um, uh, be responsible for those beautiful vineyards and terraces, and very dramatic terraces and landscape along the, along the, ver- the, the lowest part of the Mosul River. And so I did seven years there working with this, with this family where I learned so much about wine and how to communicate about wine and, and how to, to understand this not as a commodity, just as a, like more of a cultural factor. Um, so yeah, thank you to uh, Reinhard Lubenstein for, for mentoring me, I guess, I, in, in that direction. And then in 2019 or late 2018, um, a Spanish family offered me the, or, or contact me and and offered me the possibility to be in charge of of of, of um, Gran Bassan which is in Rias Baixas, which actually was a kind of like a uh, corner of the world that was actually make a lot of noise in the in the last 10 years. Like it's a very high quality, um, very high end whites and beautiful wines. Very interesting because of the also very dramatic landscape with the with the high trellis and everything. So I was pretty much interested in this area. And I said, like, I love Germany. I love the most. Well, Riesling is my passion. But if maybe someday I have to look somewhere else, probably will be my call. And well, it turned out to be that way. So I moved to Rias Baixas in, in May 2019. Okay. So 2019 will be my first vintage in this very, probably one of the first houses of the area. It has, uh, has uh, probably one of the oldest stories of, of, of as, as a winery in, in the area. So it's, it is a lot of responsibility for somebody that is not actually from there originally to understand right. the, the tradition and the cultural factor behind it. It's not just winemaking, you know. So I have to add, so that's got to be such a contrast in your mind shift of a harvest. So from the Moselle and those terraced vineyards to those beautiful paras, the per, you know, the pergolas of Rio Spice, like how... Is it different harvesting other than, you know, you're not probably harnessed in <laughs> for the pergolas? Um, like, how did that differ? It, it's actually, uh, in terms of organization and talking with people and teaching how they, what, what it needs to be picked, what needs to be sorted out and everything is pretty similar, I guess. Right. You have to be very on top of the, of the, of the picking. So, uh, so let's say in Germany, in Germany, we were very concentrated about the quality of the of the material that it goes into the winery. Also, of course, in, in Rias Baixas, let's say that the logistics of it in Rias Baixas, even though the wind with their arms up could be very, very tiring. Yeah. Uh, a little bit easier because you're not dealing with, you know, like a near-death experience all the time, as, as, you, as you do have in the Mosul. Uh, they're, they're both way different, I, I guess, in, in a way, because it's actually also the... Uh, Culturally speaking, the, the people are from different origins, so they have nothing to do with each other. Here's more of a Latin factor, so more more of an actually having a lot of fun and doing the picking um, and, and maybe not being as, as disciplined as in Germany, you know, like, um, uh, so it's actually has, both of them has uh, a lot of uh, pros and, and things are very, very unique. But uh, but let's say like the, the, the more of, a, of of uh, in terms of the people more than actually the the action of cutting the grapes because we're concerned about the same stuff we're actually right. in both both of the places are are kind of like but try this uh uh hot spot of, of the world so actually you have to be very on top in order to sort out everything that needs to be sorted out uh so in terms of, of the action, it will be actually pretty similar. I think about when I see the the paras, those pergolas, you know, I, I have a reconstructed shoulder and I think there's oh, no God. way I can't, you know, like, <laughs> you know, my, my left arm goes much higher than my right arm. I would have to like be on a, a step stool or whatever to try to get to them. But well, they do, they do, because the trillies go up to two meters. Oh. Uh, let's say the shive of, uh, I mean, I mean, you will totally be fine with it. I'm sure, I'm sure. So, like, there's many people that actually walk with 
a little stool to in order to 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 manage to the, to get the grade. Yeah, I just I'm just thinking my arms over my head. Their shoulders must be so strong, you know. Where you know, for us in our area, everybody's backs are sore because everybody's bent over, you know, harvesting. So it 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 actually always intrigues me how different regions have adapted to. Now we know that the pergolas are because of the environment that they're they're grown in. You had mentioned the botrytis. Right? The you need the 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 mist that comes in is beneficial, but it can also be detrimental. So that's where yeah, these exactly. pergolas have come from. But you know, it's just it's always intriguing to me how how these adaptations to all with the same singular goal to make the best quality fruit. Exactly. That's that's the thing. That's the the final goal. Definitely. <laughs> So before we get too involved, um, can can you just explain sort of to my listeners where uh, Riespicious is? Like, how does somebody visit there? How can they get to you? I guess probably the easiest way to get there, it will be because there's more flight connections because of the Camino de Santiago. It will be Santiago de Compostela, which is uh, the capital of the, of the, let's say, of the, of the state. We are, our state is Galicia. Galicia is in Northwest Spain, right above Portugal. Um and probably the most well-known city or the most visited city around the area, it would be Santiago de Compostela because of the church and, and the cathedral and all the pilgrims uh, that actually people that do all the, this, this, uh, these long walks for many, many days that ended up in Santiago de Compostela. So it's a very visited corner. And so uh, and you will be right in the heart of the Rio right? so not farther than maybe 30 minutes from there oh, okay. by car. Yeah, by car or by train, of course. So if you look at the map in this corner of the um, of, of Spain, you're going to see that there's a lot of uh, kind of like a zigzag or like masses of water going inland. And that's what we call Ria. And Rias Baixas will, be, will mean, if, if you translate from, from, from the Galician language, it will be that the lower, the lower Rias or the lower masses of water going inland. There's actually four of them. And that's how actually all the, 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 the denomination is displayed. So within Rias, within Galicia, we have five different appellations, and within Rias Baixas, which would be more like the most coastal one, we have also five different sub areas. Perfect. And once they're there, it's easy to get around, right? Like they can yeah, go from one region, one you know, one of the sub appellations to another rather easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not that far away actually. Uh, probably will take you maybe two hours from top to bottom or something like that from maybe a little bit more but i mean uh, i mean you can go through it either with a train or just rent a car is not expensive and you can actually take a have a look at all the area it's a beautiful area full of beautiful beaches and um, and also if you move a little bit inland you want to find like this like this old very uh, traditional villages which is also amazing to visit and so no it's actually very easy to move around perfect and so now Respicious is really dedicated to Albarino. So let's talk about the grape itself. So do we know its parentage? I mean, it's, uh, you know, like it has been related to Riesling for many, many, many years. It was, at least that was the thought about it. It has been, all, it has been all, already demonstrated. It's actually some native grape variety from North Portugal and South, Southern Galicia. So there, there has been different stories going on, some, some of them very romantic. I'll tell you a couple of them if you want, uh, but but if you go to strictly to parenting, like there's no relationship between Riesling and, and Alvarino. If you go to wine, uh, you might find or you might not find uh, uh, some some similarities in the young wines, uh, but, but very rarely. I mean, like there's some people say like, okay, this takes me maybe to Germany for more more of a Rheinhessen, Rheingau area more than the, okay. the Mosul. I would say that has nothing to do with the Mosul. Um, that could you maybe put in the situation where you can understand there there's a relationship between those two grape varieties, but there actually has been proven that it's not. So in parenting, it's just another maybe maybe it says that it's a relative from a local another local white variety that's called Caño Blanco. This will be. Uh, probably um, the the most close the closer relative to it, but it has uh, it, it is a great variety. It has been developed um, and evolved in this area. I want to hear one of those romantic stories. What's one of those romantic <laughs> stories of how Albarino got to Rio Spices? Well, they, they, they used to believe that it's actually it was it was a great variety that the, that the monks in the 12th century brought from Central Europe 
to here. What, what actually, but it has already been proven now that the Great Barrier is from there, but they know how though, like the, these monks moved from, from, from the Burgundy area to, uh, to Pontevedra, to, so a city nearby. And actually probably the know-how was brought with them, how to cultivate the grapes, how to cultivate this local grape. There are some other theories that said that actually the grape variety was brought here from the fifth century as a way before with, um, with some of this uh, uh, Germanic um, uh, originally uh, uh, cultures uh, and, and tribes or something. Uh, and as they were all, all the way yeah, pilgrim in towards this area, they brought the grape variety with them. But, but as, as, as I said before, it has been proven already that it's a great variety and native from here. Then it has been cultivated here in the area for over a thousand years. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's from Galicia. Nothing to say about it. <laughs> so talking about Galicia, it is actually like when you look at pictures of it, because I've unfortunately never been there. But when you look mm -hmm. at pictures of it, it is very reminiscent of Ireland. It very, is actually. so yeah. green. It's got it's you know it. So it like I'm guessing that's just because of those the rias that are coming in. It provides that that environment that makes it so green. Yeah, yeah, Ex exactly. I mean, it's, it's an oceanic. It's an Atlantic. Uh, weather and also you have all this the, a, a very long coast in and you know it's a, uh, no, so it gives you kind of like this cliff uh like oh, like, like the cliffs of more yeah exactly so you have kind of like that feeling and moreover also the culture comes from the celts so, so actually people from galicia have nothing to do culturally or or the roots are not in, in, uh, 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 the same as the rest of spain so it's a very particular area and you, when you see you see some locals playing music, you're gonna see the bagpipes, and you're gonna see the like the the, the how do you call it, the tambourine, um, um, and so they're way more related to that part of the world than the rest of Spain. And you know, and it's rainy, rainy, rainy. So uh, that's how you have all this green color and those extend green surface as you have in Ireland. So yeah, it reminds me a lot of like. It really is. One day I'm going to make it there. I'm going to make it there. But it is so beautiful. Every time I just look at it, I'm like, yeah, that's on my bucket list. That's high up there. That is high up there on my bucket list. Um, so let's talk about I one of the reasons why I love Albarino is that salinity that just is there with it. Um, so can you talk about what are some, if somebody has never had Albarino before, what mm. can they expect in an Albarino? Well, you definitely will expect a very uh, refined, elegant wine with very, uh, it could be very aromatic in its, in its young period, very, very flowery, very fruity, very expressive. Let's say you, and, and, this, and then this fruitiness, you will have, either a, a very cheerful wine or a more serious one. But once you have tried an Albarino that has been in the bottle for, for a couple of years, uh, you're going you're gonna to see that it completely evolves to some, something more, more intense, more complex, more, uh, more um, let's say, in a, in a different layer of complexity in terms of like, it's not just a, a fruity expression anymore. It's, you have here, you have the tobacco or you have the coffee or you have uh, toffee or uh, it evolves in completely different aspect of the variety. So let's call it, this a very, um, it's a very, uh, how do you call that? Uh, the, 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 um, the amount of, of um, expression that you can get from yeah. this variety is very wide. I mean, but if you're looking for a very refreshing, very, um, uh, Tense, almost nervous, almost electric in the palate. Oh, I like uh, that electric in the palate. I like that. <laughs> yeah, it will definitely be this this, this wine and of, and and the salinity, which is something very particular. Because many people define it as, as minerality, but it's too much of a com complex subject. So I rather to explain what it is for me. It's actually it's this salty, slightly metallic aftertaste. That is very, like, whenever you're learning about wine and you hear about the salinity of wine, I will definitely say if you want to understand it, definitely try these wines or try yeah. an Albarino from Real Righteous because it's, like, it's very there. There's nothing covering it. It's very there and it's very obvious. And year after year, so what, why is that about them? Nobody knows. It's just a, it's just a, 
effect or a cause of the terroir expression of this grape variety being cultivated here, as I told you, for the last thousand years in this granitic soil. So that's the expression that it goes into the wine. So if you're looking for all the range of complexity from fruity to a more complex, serious wine, but but with the main or with the backbone of uh, of of uh, um, uh, salinity and and tense acidity, you definitely will be going to these wines, or this will be my first call to 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 go to. And you know, I think that's something from when I first found Albarino those years ago. I think the concept was. You got to drink this now. Albarino back then was not nah, to drink now wine. You know, you buy it, you want to drink it within, you know, kind of like, like the rosé trend, right? You buy it and you drink it. It's not over there. Yeah. And over these years, uh, it's, that's changed. There are Albarinos that you now want to lay down and they can age before you drink it. You don't need to consume it in that vintage that it gets released anymore. And it's nice to see that evolution. It's it's nice to see how over the years, one, people are recognizing Albarino, and two, how they're understanding that, and I don't mean this as a negative, but like back then, it wasn't thought of as like, ooh, this high quality wine that you're going to cherish. It was, this is a good wine to drink right now. And now people are understanding that it is a complex wine. And as you said, it does evolve in the bottle. And if you can have the patience, which is tough, but if you can have the patience, you're going to be rewarded with this nice evolved aged Albarino. Mm -hmm. You know, it's something that's nice to see is coming around. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with what you say. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that all the wines being produced in the denomination are are done or are thought to be aged in the bottle. Not all of them. I mean, like of course, like the conception of it from society has changed a little bit, and and it is changing and it's evolving. Um. So yeah, of course, historically, or let's say in the last 30, 40 years, this wine uh, uh, in Spain or in in. Let's, let's go more in Spain. It's conceived as a wine, or it's understood as a wine that has to be drink very fast, right? Like maybe in the in the export, like maybe in the rest of the world, they have a little bit more understanding of, of of okay, well, look, you have acidity here, you have very complex aromas. Maybe this will this this will be like a riesling, or maybe this will be follow the same path of a chardonnay or something like that. But but, but in uh, in in Spain. Uh, they were more strict about that. This is a, this is a young wine, and and it should be drink young. But um, um, but yeah, but 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 the idea, the 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 mind about it has changed, and there now there's more people talking about like aging Alvarinos or Alvarino that actually has a time in the barrel, and and let's say like not all the wines because most of the wines are brought in the market very early, so they have let's say they have less tools in order to maintain their properties along the years in the bottle because they are thought for 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 a more for for the fresh market wine that, that have been made for that so no i wouldn't call that all of the wines of the appellation are going to age beautifully but if you go to the wines that are a little bit more elaborated ones that have been in the barrel or ones that have been produced in in this uh, big uh, vats and or or there has been in, in stainless steel for for two three or four or even more years on the full lease or on the fine lease or they have worked the least. Of course, there are wines that are, they are on a different level of complexity and in a different league. And of course, they're going to age perfectly because you have all the all the all the the factor of the thing that you need in this equation to obtain a wood wine that is going to be amazing in seven years or in ten years. So I don't know if this can be answered or not, but like, why do you think Albarino is just like Respicious is just just the perfect place for Albarino. There's low there, you know, we have a lot of new world, you know, or United States now are making Albarino because it's be- people have become aware of it. And it's a, and even for us where we have, you know, California has that coastal influence, you know, the Albarinos, I'm not, they're not the same. They're not that same, you know, textural feeling they they some of them have some salinity but it's different so why do you think albarino is perfect for respicious that gives you that uniqueness of this grape well i guess well probably one of or the biggest factor is that like actually it is a great variety that has evolved 
in this corner of the world. And, and moreover, of course, yeah, I have tried some some new world Alvarenos, like from Chile or, or, or from the United States. And of course, there is a different level of radiation on those areas. Here in the Rias Baixas, it's not just the coastal influence, of course, because it's, it's, it's very important in order to maintain the, the cold temperatures during the summer. It is a combination of that, and also it's very cloudy. So in order to, to maintain this acidity, oh. to maintain the to maintain the, the tension in the palate, you need a corner of the world that is actually not very sunny, not very sunny. So the grapes don't burn out all the acid, all their natural acids. So uh, in this area uh, on Rias Baixas, actually we need to start with still even in the with in 21st century and and with the whole global warming thing going on, which is real very real and also in Rio's Bachelor, but we're still struggling actually the last two vintages, for example, no, the last three vintages, 19, 20, and 21, actually too, too, too high, I said like too much, too much acidity, almost. Oh, like okay. Like malic acid and, and so actually we still don't know, we, we still don't know what is going to happen in the future because like, you know, if you, if you read like, you know, Global Warming from the book, you probably will be thinking, okay, higher alcohol and lower acidity. You know, we can apply to certain parts of the world, but in Rio de just actually has maintained in either, actually in 21, we have higher acidity than in 20, and in 20, higher acidity than in 19, wow. so actually what is going to happen, uh, we don't know, but what I can assure you is actually in this part, or, or whether our grapes are being produced, it's still being kind of like in a bubble, a little bit of isolated of, of, of what is happening in the rest of the world, or what is happening actually in Galicia inland. Wow. You know, and and more and, and another big important factor is the granitic is, is the granitic soils. What we have here is granitic sandy soils, which are very like as, as the amount of rain here is insane, and they are very decomposed, and you have different levels of oxidation that gives you kind of like a, a different map of the area. So we have granitic soils in, in mostly all the area where the, where the grapes are being produced, but there's only, only in Galicia there's more than twenty eight different kind of granitic soil granitic yeah. rock. So that's which give you something like like these uh, different aspects of the variety. Um, but this is something that I have not studied not that, not that long. Uh, I mean, so like I'm kind of like getting into it. But I will see. I will. I will say that it's the it's the confluence of this of this factor, which is actually the definition of terroir. If you have the soil, you have the mesoclimate conditions, and uh, well, and probably and and, and never and, and at least but not. Uh, uh, last but not least, uh, it will be like the cultural factor, of it, like uh, the, the, the know-how of the people, uh, the, how they still maintain the classic trellis, high trellis, even though, of course, like the more industrial aspect of the of the viticulture here, of course, it's changing to to more traditional, or like more contemporary uh, ways of producing the grapes. But some of us always stick to the par and pergola, and of course, that brings that extra or like that third factor into this equation uh which makes this part of the world that was that was being used to produce Albarino. i think albarino could if it could it could click its heels and say there's no place like home and just stay in so the the do actually when it first started um it was actually originally called Albarino, right? And then the EU came in and said, uh, 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 we don't like that. Yeah, right? exactly. So that's when it got changed to uh, Rias Baixas. And then, but it only had three sub AVAs. And now there's, yeah. there are sub appellations. And now there's five, right? Yeah, there's five. Yeah, yeah. Now we have uh, in the northeast part, we have the uh, Uya, okay. which is, it receives the name because there's a river right next to it. It's called Uya. Then we have the Salinas Valley, where we are located. Then we have, we're moving south. And then we have uh, Suto Mayor, which is a very small one along the Ria de Vigo. So the, the fourth Ria of the, of the four Rias Baixas. And then we have El Rosal, which be, will, will be actually the part that is almost, that's actually on the, on the uh, border with Portugal. Okay. And Condado de Tea, which be like more, a little bit more inland. Okay. And, and like let's you... say Salnes will be uh, sorry, the Salnes will be 
probably the, the one that has like the biggest territory along the coast. It's also the biggest of the all five. It would have the, big, the biggest territory along the coast and doesn't have much of an inland influence. Is it so it's the biggest region? Is it the largest under vine also? Does uh, it have the most plantings? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely the most. I mean, plantings. Bias Bias, like, if, if I don't make any mistake, I think it will be more than 2,000 and something hectares. And we have 4,000, a little bit more, more than 4,000 hectares in the whole Appalachian. So it will definitely be, be the biggest. Okay, cool. And then, so let's talk about Ranzavan. So it started in 1980, right? And wow, where, can you give us a little background on the history? Where did it come from? What's the, the where did the name come from? All of that stuff. Yeah, sure. So um, the winery was founded in 1981. Uh, and it's the result of a dream of uh, one local family. Uh, the Otero family, they, they were pretty successful in, in a different business in the canned seafood industry. And in the 80s, they decided to jump into, which actually canned seafood industry is big in Galicia. It's a very important there. It's a very important industry there. So he decided to jump into something different, another business that also have a kind of like a, that relationship with with uh, with this area, with Galicia. And one, Alvarino was kind of like the way. Uh, but he traveled, uh, Manuel Otero, the, the founder, Travel a lot through uh, Alsace and through um, Germany, and actually, and brought back to Alicia kind of like that influence with them. You can see that in the style of the bottle and the style of the labels, full of details. Um, that's very kind of like Germany, Rheingau area like. Yes. I'm just going to show it to the people who are watching, and I'm hoping it can yeah. come through with the bat with the green light. But yes, it does look very German. The writing is German, yeah. and even the label looks looks that way. So he he wanted he wanted a kind of like a French chateau, an Alsatian chateau, uh, but a little bit more of a Spanish touch. And he was a very creative mind, so he he idea, he kind of like created the idea of the label and everything and the concept and the winery. And if you if you look at the winery, look, it is actually kind of like a chateau. Um, but but the family uh, decided to uh, sell the property in the in the two thousands. Um, that's why in 2017, um, uh, a different family that has a wine that has been in the wine business for for a couple for 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 years already in Rioja, in the northern part of in the northern part of Rioja, decided to uh, to invest after I don't, I don't know, I think it was around ten pretty successful successful years in in the red wine industry. They decided to jump uh, into whites, and they actually look first in the Mosul River. That's how how we met. Back oh, in the okay. day, yeah, but well, you know, Germany, very hard to find something. So, so they decided to invest in Galicia and when it worked out with Gran Bassan and they took over the property in 2017, they, 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 they bought the property in 2017. So it has been already four vintages with, with the new property. Uh, of course, I, I came also with a, with a, with a new property. Uh, and this is pretty, pretty much like we're just concentrating and kind of like maintain the same style as the house had had for the last 40 years because this is one of the first houses that actually they kind of like uh, started with them with the movement of the creation of the do rias Baixas, of the i'm talking about the organization the office the okay. rias Baixas. this uh, back in the day was like three or four wineries and this one was one of those so it's, it's part of the history it's very related to the whole story or the whole journey of this of this appellation and that's why uh, me as a winemaker and the property as as as, as the owners uh, they didn't want to kind of like uh, intervene much in, in the style of the wines or the stylistic of the wine. That's actually we maintain the labels, we maintain the the the, the shape of the bottle, and and we just focus on everything to and to maintain the style of the house. But of course, always improving. Uh, always there's a place for improvement in in terms of quality, in terms of, uh, of of the idea of the concept that I visualize in my head that I want. To I don't want to go that I want to go with this wine. And and also they're very open to to well to, to the to the creation of of, of of new wines or the new ideas. Um, very, very eager to as, as they have done in the other winery in Rioja and to invest in 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 sustainability and to um, and to work with different universities and to, and to develop research as um, 
as the owner is actually an ex uh, uh, college university professor oh, in okay. biochemistry. Um, so oh, biochemistry, very, perfect, perfect yeah, for wine. <laughs> very pro science. So actually, that's what actually what I have been done, or what we have been done in the last four years of story, of this very short part of the whole, of the story of Grambasan. And now a word from our sponsor. Looking to be in the know about Dracaena wines? Want to be the first to know about our new releases and special offers? All you need to do is sign up for our newsletter. There is no commitment necessary, and I promise you we won't spam your mailbox with loads of messages. Need another reason to sign up? Quite possibly the best reason? You'll immediately get a discount code for 10% off your first purchase and be privy to newsletter-only discounts. Let Dracaena Wines turn your moments into great memories. Visit our website, www.dracaenawines.com, or use the link in show notes to sign up. It will take you less than a minute, but the rewards will last a lifetime. So let's look at this. This is um, the green label. Okay, yeah. so it is um, Etiqueta Verde, so green label. Can you tell it, this is kind of like Granzabon's entry entry into Albarino. Welcome to Albarino. Exactly. So can you tell us a bit exactly. about this one? Yeah, I will definitely will uh, refer to this one like you said. Like It's kind of like the first step of what we do with Albarino. Uh, this is a, it's our youngest Albarino from our, from our classic portfolio. And I would say this is the classic wine from uh, is the classical region from Rias Baixas. It's a, a small, uh, let's say, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a classic flavor of, of what you find here. It's a very straightforward wine with a lot of tension on the nose. It's more on the cold notes, more than in the tropical fruity expression. I will, I will refer to it as more of a cold, like uh, white meat peaches and flowers and more, or, or, or um, it's very citrus-like. And and kind of like her and, and slightly herbal. That will be that's that's always my interpretation about this wine. But mainly, what what I will say that is a classic thing about this wine is the palate. It's very straightforward. A lot of tension. You have you have this uh, this saltiness, this salinity in the aftertaste, which it will teletransport you directly here, and it will say, okay, and I, I can I can make no mistake. This is a uh, this is an for euphoria spice. Uh, from this wine, all of the other wines are a little, a little bit more complex, are a little bit more uh, more uh, wider than this than this uh, than this wine. And the green label sees no oak, right? That's just all stainless. The green label is just stainless steel. So um, uh, I didn't mention this before, but uh, but the way to work in Rias in Rias Baixas, how we produce the grapes, our our state owns around twenty hectares, but we work with another ninety families. And each family own probably maybe an average it will be six six hundred quadrat uh, uh, square meters six hundred square meters till maybe one hectare average. So it's very it's what we call small scale agriculture, right. and that's actually it's a very particular way to produce grapes and spread all over the all over the the video. I mean, there's very there's almost no winery actually that own one hundred percent the whole property. The, the whole vineyard. So we work side by side with these families all year long in order to produce high quality grapes at the very end. So Etiqueta Verde will be, is a cuvee of, uh, of the grapes being produced uh, almost in the 90, 90, 95% in Salnes. So that's why I call it a classic wine from Salnes being produced by, by, by these families that work with us here. Uh, like uh, we're lucky enough, we have contract with the same families almost, almost three years. So we know each other very well and we advise them actually it's a lot of work but uh also very uh, rewarding i guess um so yeah etiqueta verde will be a cuvee from the grace being produced by these families and in 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 95 of them are actually are located in Sundance. wow and then i think your next level up would be the amber bottle exactly etiqueta okay, so amber okay, etiqueta so amber which is it's probably the most well-known wine of the winery. It's a wine that's very uh, well positioned in the market, and it's a wine, and it's a wine that um, has been uh, oh. that stays longer in, in our cellar. It's a wine that we release later, and we we release it in the midsummer or maybe at the end of the summer. It depends on the year. Uh, so it's a wine that has been on the lease for around eight months, 
it's also just stainless steel. But uh, let's say for me, for me, the granitic soil, the wines from granitic soil, they have a very strong entrance and then kind of like tied up. And so what we do uh, with this wine is that we do we do uh, like a constant batonnage in the in the very first okay. months of presentation, you know, they kind of like to cheat on the on the granitic profile and give it a little bit more of the of, of broadness, a little bit more of palate. So if you go to the Etiqueta Verde, it will be a very straightforward wine, a classic stainless steel wine, very aromatic, very expressive. And then you go to Amber, which will be more on the muscle, meaty, uh, that can go perfect with 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 um, dishes that are a little bit more elaborate, elaborated. Um, and so here we have around eight to 10 months on the full lease and with a lot of uh, with a lot of action during the first maybe three or four months after after that i don't touch it anymore and just leave it there and and to, and to evolve so you have a more of a complex wider uh let's go more opulent version of 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 of, of our classical Perino from salnes the which vintage do you have there which vintage this is the 2020 okay um so yeah it um well, pulling it up to your nose is, I don't know if you saw my face as soon as I put it up. It was like, you know, they talk about low, low aromatics, medium aromatics, pronounced aromatics. This is like off the chart aromatics. It is so <laughs> like, it wasn't even close to my nose and I could get that. I could get that aromatics, it, you know, the, the, you, that salinity, the, or the minerality that you're talking about. And then a, a peach, a white flower. Um, it's and and almost there. There's a very little hint of a of a toastiness, like like um, bread that is on the lowest <laughs> the lowest number of of on the toaster. You know, where it's just that <laughs> that caramelized you know caramelization of it. And it, I, I didn't taste the green to the the green label today. But the the palette, this one seems a little bit fuller bodied than what I remember yeah. the the green yeah. one and the leaves. I'm guessing. Yeah, actually, well, the the the, the etiqueta verde or green label is the perfect one to go to go solo. And I mean, if you're like in a in a, a, a in a summer afternoon and just drink the wine, and you're really gonna enjoy it as solo, or or maybe with a tapa, but it will be a very light tapa, very like right like raw material just put in your table like if you go with a fish just it will be just a fish like side side and a little bit of olive oil and that's that's pretty much it and it's going to go perfect with this wine but this wine has a way more uh let's say greasiness or, yes. or like a velvety feeling that's yeah. what we try to do with with, with the batonnage and 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 uh, it shows a completely different aspect of it. Of course, it's a different selection of grapes. The grapes mm -hmm. that goes into this wine come mainly from our Tremoedo state, which is the, the, the vineyards that we have right next to the winery in the lowest okay. part of the vineyard that we have right next to the winery because in the higher part, we, we produce the other two wines. Um, uh, so it's, uh, uh, it's a different selection of grapes that normally they, they communicate this expression, this more over the top, uh, but but uh, at the same time, very elegant uh, aspect of, of, of an Arvarinho. It is. Elegant is an excellent word for it because it, it really is. And it is complex. Oh, my gosh. And there is that viscosity um, and that, that um, you know, the, it's, it's a fuller bodied than, than the green. And, but the, the, I can't, it's still, the finish is still going. I'm salivating. Um the the finish is still going and I haven't taken a sip in a, in a, in a couple of minutes. It is, I think that it can be um, good on its own, but this, this is uh, wonderful to have with, with a food pairing also, uh, you know? Yeah, like, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I'm going to save that glass and drink more of that. And it's only 10 AM <laughs> here. It's only 10 30, but that's okay. Um, I'm drinking under your time zone today. Uh, <laughs> and then the next up is a blue label and it is Don Avaro de Bazan. So, yeah. and it is a completely different label. So the green, yes. the verde and the amber have a, have an image of the chateau and the vineyards. And this mm -hmm. has an image of a ship at sea. So yeah, I'll tell you everything about it. Like, yeah, that's the one that I have in the glass. Okay. 
let's say this is the head of our portfolio, of our classic portfolio. And this is a one that we don't do every year. It's a one that we just do in those vintages, which we think is a, a, it's really outstanding. It comes from a very particular point of our state, which is right behind the winery. The winery is kind of like, um, it was built kind of like inside of a little hill, a very like, uh, it's kind of like a soft slope. And in the top part of the slope, of course, it's vineyards all around. And the top part of the of the slopes is where we produce these grapes for this wine, which is a very small production. But we don't produce when when we produce them, we go from six thousand bottles to ten thousand bottles. No, it's no more than that. Why here? Because uh, well, as I told you before, it, it rains a lot in this area. Like I mean, like just average Galicia will be maybe twice Dublin oh. to put you like to, or maybe twice uh, Seattle to put you like in an amount of rain. So it's very extremely raining. So we're talking about where our vineyards are located, it will be around 2,000 millimeters a year, which is crazy. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot. Luckily, we have a sandy granitic soil. So uh, the water, the rain goes really fast into the, into the, which has pros and cons. Of course, when it's, when it's hot and dry, there is extremely dry. But when it's not, which is actually probably the most often situation to find, um, uh, when it's not dry, and uh, the water goes uh, very fast towards the lowest part of the vineyard, and in this and, and this top of the hill, you're gonna see that, and it's really easy to appreciate. If you go in during the summer, you're gonna see that you look down, and it's it's Albarino is a very vigorous pond, so you're gonna see that everything's green, 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 and everything's kind of is, is covered like a like a, like a ceiling. But if you look up, you're gonna see like the the same plants because we're all planted in the same, uh, even though they're different clones, but they were all planted in the in the in the in the early eighties. So you're gonna see that there are still been thick trunks, but the, but the, but they're not that leafy. I mean, they're they're not that vigorous. They're more contained because they don't have that water resource that they, the other ones have. So what you're gonna find here is a smaller cluster, small berries, uh, probably one more touched by the sun, as the cannabis is not that thick. So you don't have three layers of of, of leaves. You just have kind of like holes oh, in okay. it. We do also a little bit of leaf flagging in, in, in this area in order to maintain the grapes out of botrytis longer so we can harvest a little bit uh, later. Um, but we have mainly what you have there is concentration. That's the best way to describe it. So we take the grapes from there, we produce this wine, and then we follow this wine for almost two years because it has been two years in the in the lease before being bottled. And oh, then yes. a year in the bottle. And then a year in the bottle. Right. So this um, one is a vintage 2018. It's been 2019, and it's still been extremely fresh. It's well, it's of course there's a different level of complexity in this wine. So you're you're not gonna find that that peachy pineapple aromas maybe that you can you can or flowery aromas that you find in a in a very young Albarino. You're gonna be concentrated more in the in the in the uh, ripe yellow fruit, uh, kind of like red yellow berries, and and also you have kind of like this soft tobacco uh, touch and uh, maybe like a, a, a more like a red tea kind of know it kind of know wow uh, uh, that's what actually what what this wine is uh, uh, telling to me right <laughs> right now and 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 it's a different vintage 2019 was a warmer vintage than the one that you have you had 2020 was actually was a little bit colder and 2020 a lot of acidity a lot of tension 2018 more broadness more roundness more of an opulent big guy wines. So for, for, for this level of complexity, for this one, that's what I love 18. So it was a warm a year and it, it kind of like it takes you out of the classic uh, of the classic um, profile of Alvarino because they are big wines. I love them. So that's, that's what we have here. Don Alvaro de Bazan. Ah, and about the, the, the picture. Yes. Yeah. Alvaro de Bazan is a sailor uh, believed as never being defeated and believed as being related with the previous, uh, with the previous, uh, with the originally family that owned this whole area, that they named this whole area Agro de Bazan. Oh, okay. Which, which means Bazan's land. And okay. this, this, this family uh, has been uh, thought to be related to this kind of like war hero. Uh, so that's why the previous, uh, like the previous property of the, of the house named this wine um that we as i told you before so we produced in, in 15 and then we we did the jump to 18 and that was we did in 2010 13 also and 14 and this year now we're, we're not currently selling the 18 and probably 
Um, still undecided, but we're probably we're going to go for 19 as well. Uh, and 20, as, as, they, as the wines are showing beautifully, and I'm very happy with those wines. So, yeah, I mean, if we can do it every year, well, we're going to do it every year, of course. Wow, that sounds amazing. And I don't have a bottle opener with me in my little room here, my little studio, but I'm going to have to open that one and give it because that those notes sound absolutely incredible. Although my husband is traveling, so he'll probably be upset if I open that without him. So we might have to wait a little bit for me to, to open that one. Now, no worries. You let act- me know your thoughts before you're tight. I absolutely will. Oh, I'm excited. Um, so you actually mentioned that you have different clones. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the thing I try to explain to, to newbie wine people is there's clones for every grape variety out there. Like there's differences, just like mm-hmm. there's differences in people, there's differences in grapes, but certain grape varieties are known for their clones, like mm-hmm. Pinot Noir, right? We, oh, it's the 777, it's the Columbar, uh, you know, all this stuff, right? Yeah. Um, so Alvarino, you mentioned you have clones, but then I, I don't know if I heard you correctly. Are they basically interspersed in the same vineyards? Yeah. Or do you yeah. have them well, separately? The main difference is there's not much uh, development in terms of clone variety in this grape variety. Okay. You know, back in, back in the day, back in the 80s, uh, you know, the main focus it was it was a grape that can actually be, uh, get sugar like alcohol that was the, the goal alcohol and production so there, there wasn't back in the 80s when this this land was planted there wasn't much done in terms of commercial clones so they probably got like a couple of them commercial maybe three of them and the other ones were more like a clonal like a, a massal selection but the information is very diffuse about what was actually planted at that time because they didn't have that 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 uh, development in terms of clone, there wasn't that like, and and moreover, the information that you get, it could never, it could not necessarily be actually what is in the paper, not necessarily be what is actually in the vineyards. So, as as we know, there might be from nine till thirteen different clones, but commercial clones, and and with name as it is, actually nowadays we still have very little. We still okay. have very little. So probably, uh, so my theory about this is actually probably there has been maybe four different clones. There were commercial clones back in the day when the vineyard was planted and the rest named as clone was actually more of a muscle selection. Okay, cool. And then your, the vineyards, I know you said that you have an estate, you have estate vineyards, yeah. but then you also, you also source. So do you know what your estate vineyard, at what altitude is that? And then like, what's your lowest altitude Albarino and what's your highest Altitude Albarino, or is it really not that big of a variation? It's not that much of a difference. It's not that much of a difference. I mean, if we compare our Tremoedo state with uh, the the state where Vega Lobos has been produced, uh, the the ones that we're gonna we're gonna talk about next, yeah, it might be a different one because the other ones is closer to the sea level. It's closer to the sea, but it, it's it's not much of a difference. But you do have difference uh, within the vineyards. Um, from the very top to the very to the lowest point, that might be more than than twenty meters or maybe thirty meters. Oh, okay. So it's not that big, but the difference that you have in the depth of the soil is what actually what's the big deal for us at least. What gives you that 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 difference? I told you before, in in the in the in the lowest part, of this you have very little soil and a lot of water resources. In the lowest part, you have more to dig in. But it depends on the, where you are. If it is a very, it's kind of like a mountain. And of course, in the, the top part, you're going to see like the rock is going more up. But it's not yeah. in our case. In our case, it's a very soft slope. So there you have less water, but the roots can go a little bit deeper. deeper. So that's what you get the main difference. But we don't have much difference between a height in, in our lowest or in our top parts because it's just more like a flat area with, with soft slopes. But that that in its own right is kind of cool because that, you know, everybody talks about how altitude affects the grapes or whatever. No, not very many people talk about what's going on under the soil and how that affects how the grapes grow. And it really does. I mean, it, as a biologist, uh, you know, it, it really does make a big difference of if the roots are going shallow and horizontal versus if they've got to go down before they can Mm -hmm. go out. That makes a big difference in what the grapes themselves can produce. Yeah, of course. Of course, definitely. And it's very obvious to see, like if you go during the summer, you're going to understand perfectly what I'm, what I mean with this, 
with the differences in the vigorousness of the plant, which for me is probably the most, the, the, the biggest factor in order to produce high quality grapes, whether you have it like in the meso, in, 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 the, in the meso conditions in the canopy where the grapes are actually located, what is happening there. Yeah, absolutely. That's so cool. Um, so you have you 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 have the Vega Lobos Vineyard, which yeah. is Wolf Site, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And I'm kind of interested because it says that it is known to be or thought to be a mythical place. So, <laughs> <laughs> what's the story behind that? I mean, it is mythical because uh, you know, for yesterday, I very wolf or the wolf from 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 Spain or the local wolf used to hang around in this area, which is not very common to see nowadays. Nowadays, it's heading like there's more wolves right now with okay. the day and, and thing. But but it's called Cova de Lobos as as um, as it is a place where where the wolves used to hang around in, in this area, and and we call the wine Vega Lobos, which Vega would mean would be like a flat, more of a lower uh, uh, territory or land, it actually can easily be flooded, and it's, okay. and it's totally what happened. It's right, it rest, it's right next to a river, so we do believe that it's actually this kind of like a certain vibe or energy in this area. So it's completely surrounded by water, by moving water. Um, uh, so while it's actually a very spiritual corner of uh, of, of a vineyard, so it used to hold or used to be kind of like uh, this. Uh, a refugee for for such a rare, a mythical, or rare and and particular animal as it is wolf, and it's surrounded by all this water mess. So cool! I, I love it. Now this <laughs> this bottle brings on a whole different. It's still the same Grunzebond shape, but we mm-hmm. have a completely different label, more of a French label. Yeah. You know, like the Chateau. Classic, classic, uh, yeah and waxed here. So tell us about this wine and, you know, why it's so different than the others. And this is also a 2018. Exactly. Well, this wine started in 18 uh, with a new property uh, as uh, kind of like an experiment. It was, it was kind of our, uh, our approach and a very shy approach uh, into fermenting with skins. Oh, okay. So the idea was to do, like the idea wasn't to, to do an orange, a full, a full, uh, all the way orange wine. And it wasn't kind of like a try, uh, which, which different profile can you obtain from this wine if you ferment it in contact with skins. And so what we did, we did a very, we did kind of like a cryo maceration as, as we put kind of layers of grapes and layers of ice, um, what do you call that? Uh, dry ice. Dry ice. Dry ice and layers of grapes and dry ice. So this kind of like, freeze completely and 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 all the water all the water in the grapes also for, it was completely frozen so that kind of like producing a hyper master a hyper extraction as of course the cells within the within the berry break because of the of the, of, right. of, of, of the frozen water um, and we let it just like that to gain a little bit of temperature and as it was as as, uh, as the dry ice was all the time sublimating it was completely protected from from oxidation, and and during four days it was just dripping and dripping and dripping, uh, and it was a very it's really amazing to see it's actually that the one that the must comes completely clear out of it, although that it has been exposed to air for four days. Wow! And whenever we press this already, uh, we put part of a certain proportion of the skins to ferment with the with the must. And after fermentation, what uh, what of course this was made before my arrival. I arrived just in this period after fermentation, right after fermentation. <laughs> what we have there, it was extremely uh, rustic and 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 raw wine, which actually kind of like show more of a uh, um, terpenic kind of uh, face of the variety. Okay. It kind of like reminds you more like of a um, Moscatel or kind of like a Gewürztraminer uh, profile. Extremely flowery, kind of like a dry fig, uh, dry nuts, kind of like a, a aspect of every bourbon, but the, but the flower, you know, it was extremely uh, there. It's like very evident. There. And we were so crazy about the result about this wine. That uh, we decided to bottle this wine as, as a new as a new wine, and kind of like it's the first or or, or the start of a new uh, uh, part of our portfolio will be actually the new from Gran Basan. So probably we're gonna have be adding some new uh, members to the family uh, in this coming years, 
Uh, but this is the first one that we have a different a different label, a different bottle, and 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 a different yes. stylistic. As it is, the, uh, as it, we want to go as far as we can from our classic portfolio, which will be like a very baroque and detail right. uh, detail label, because that's for our classical Albarinos and the new things that we're we doing uh, and that we start doing since 2017 actually. On uh, it has this kind of like new face of. Uh, it's still very classic and elegant place, but it has a new face of what we're doing. So it will be like the classic portfolio and the new from Grand Bazaar. That is so cool. I mean, just the whole science, just the whole science behind that concept and and thinking about my brain is like going through the reactions that are happening as that's going on. That is so cool. And so this is going to be produced every vintage. We, 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 did, we did it in 2019 and okay. we didn't do it in 2020 because we have a very little vintage. Oh, okay. Uh, we did it again in 21. Uh, so, and we're very happy with those other two, with 19 and with 21. We're very happy. I mean, 21 is still a very, very young fresh wine. It's still a long way to go. But mm-hmm. but the 19 probably uh, I'm I'm really decided to visit uh, as a second version of uh, second edition of Vegalos as um, we're completely through with the profile of the wine. It follows exactly the same path, same complexity, same broadness, the, like that broad palace. It's just greasy, 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 and and it's such a different it's such a different um, uh, face of 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 these classic wines that goes completely outside That's- of the of the of of our classic portfolio. So actually we're, I'm, I'm very, uh, because it's just fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds awesome. It sounds, yeah. it sounds absolutely incredible that it just sounds amazing. Um, and <clears throat> so with that and reaching outside and doing all these things, I mean, quite honestly, Grandabon has received some major recognition Right. So you recently got a 37, number 37 and 55 in the top 100 Spanish wines by James Suckling. Right. And then the Verde, which honestly, I mean, to to call it an entry level, I think is <laughs> is a is is not doing it justice because I get why you why Grunzabon calls it their entry level. But for people mm-hmm. who are listening and who haven't had it, this is not an this is not an easy, you know, just you know, just there's a wine there. This is a quality wine. It's just priced at an entry level and it's just an amazing wine, vintage after vintage, because I have had a lot of it. And this got a 93 points. So obviously not an entry, you know, score. I mean, and then the the uh, Lobos got 96 points, like the holy cow. And then also you got um, the the blue label, the Don Alvaro Devazan got 94 points. So that, I mean, that's incredible to have across your spectrum so many great scores. You guys must be jumping for joy, celebrating, mm-hmm. and of course thinking, what do we do next to, to keep it going, right? Yeah, well, you know, every vintage is a challenge. Um, moreover, into these wines are actually, they're going to be uh, tasted and consumed very shortly or the year after the vintage. So every vintage is, for example, 2021 was extremely hard vintage. Uh, but um, yeah, of course we're happy with the results and, and we're happy that actually the, their wines are getting such recognitions. Uh, I completely agree with what you said with the, with the term entry level. Uh, that's why I, I, I refer to it as, as, as the first step of what we do or the first chapter of what we do with uh, I like with that Alvarino. first chapter first chapter <laughs> uh, that what we do with Alvarino um uh, but also but but maybe it's been put in that in that kind of like a range as as it is uh, as it is uh, the the first wine of the offer is 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 a wine this is a classic wine that compete with many other classic wine with a classic profile from 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 the Salinas Valley or from from the Yasbaixas uh, so that's what it fits, it fits in, into the, the profile. But actually, yeah, in the United States, we uh, are very happy with uh, with how how the wine has been received in the last one, at least in the last vintages that we have been that we, we are we have released that that were under my uh, my team. Uh, so yeah, we're very happy. I mean, those scores are outrageous. It's it's like it's what it does to me is show that. 
it's consistency across the whole portfolio. They, you know, you could get one great score, but when your entire portfolio is getting these scores, it's showing that there's quality across the board. And I, it, it's, you know, okay, so I like the green label. Now, you know what, look at this. I'm going to go to that next step. I'm going to go to that next step. You know, it's so kudos to you and your team. And um, I mean, those are incredible, incredible scores. And so where can people find Grasimont? Like, I, I know I don't know if you can answer this or not because you're the winemaker and it's two different paths, but where in stores can people find you? Do you know that in the United States, how they can, where they can find you? Our distributor in the United States is European and Golden State. And so whatever other distributors that are between the last customer and then there are actually, there's a wide range of distribution along the States. All of them, of course, the names uh, escape to my mind right now, uh, but they're very easy to find. Like uh, you just go to a European uh, uh, webpage and you can you can see all the, the, the companies in the United States that are actually related to to European. And then what about social media? Does the winemaker uh, know where you are in social media? <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, we have... Uh, we were, uh, you know, we're in all of them and Twitter, Instagram, and if, you, if you're looking for uh, at... Bodegas Gran Pasan. Okay. Uh, you're gonna find any, uh, you're gonna find us in Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn, in and and Twitter. All yeah. right. Awesome. And of course, we have. You can also visit our webpage, uh, uh, which is uh, www.bodegasgranbasan.com. Okay. And then my last question is: When I was scoping out your website, you have some pretty cool tasting experiences. So when we actually can get to visit Granzaban, what are like? Can you explain some of those experiences because they were pretty cool? Yeah, of course. We have a very professional uh, uh, team that uh, takes takes care of uh, either like couples or or just wine lovers or groups of wine lovers. Uh, we have a very developed and professional team that take care of you and show you everything around, vineyards, cellar, uh, 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 tasting. There's different options of different amount of wines that you can taste. Of course, of course, all of them came with a tapa with local products, uh, local mussels from the from the from the Ria, or um, or when it's actually classic cuisine from from Galicia, which is uh, another level of good. It's very very good. Uh, so yeah, so don't hesitate to contact us through our webpage or uh, or Instagram or whatever is easier to you to find us and to organize a visit because you're gonna be uh, very well received and and our team uh, that's in charge of uh, of tourism uh, will be uh, will be with you all the time and explain you everything from top to bottom. I want to thank you, Diego, for coming on and sharing all of these wines with me. I saved a little, I saved a little bit in my glass to share with you and it will actually may make that right. So I always say slancha, which is the Gaelic, right? So, um, but these wines are incredible. I am a, I have been a fan of Granzabam for a long time. We did taste them years ago and I am always happy when I see them. And the thing is, is that I always know that when I, if I buy it, it's going to be a quality bottle. So I thank you for that. And I thank appreciate you. you spending your time with me. And I shall say slancha. <laughs> thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. This has been another episode of Exploring the Wine Glass. Thanks for listening. If you have suggestions on what topics you would like me to discuss, please reach out on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Exploring the Wine Glass. I am also on LinkedIn as Lori Hoytbud. Of course, you can always email me at exploringthewineglass at gmail.com. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to help others find me more easily. And most importantly, tell your wine-loving friends, because if you like the podcast, they will too. Music is Wine by Kevens. Until next week, slancha. You are so special, you even in the Bible. Give me the red, red wine.